everyone, thanks for listening. So this is a new podcast, it's Talking It Out About. So each time that we do one, it will be about something slightly different. We're going to focus at the minute about um, functional neurological disorder um, and we'll see where it takes us. Hopefully we can have a couple of people come in and join us and give us their side as well. Um, So stay tuned and see what we've got planned. After you, please. No, you're not doing the, uh, what we spoke about last time. Oh, okay. Uh, so we didn't do an introduction no. or anything. Okay. Uh, so what did we speak about last time? So I think, I mean, broadly, I know that we've covered um, sort of your introduction to FND, so like your symptoms that you first started with, how those compounded, um, and then they sort of, you know, expanded across over, the, over a couple of months. We then spoke about uh, treatment you received, different sort of experiences of yours in... A&E, um, a couple of different hospitals, a couple of different neurologists, um, you've uh, spoken about uh, a few different physiotherapists, both in a hospital, uh, at home, as well as going into a hospital for individual sessions, um, and sort of the things that have helped f- from their perspective, so the things that worked for you and the things that didn't, uh, we... we you then spoke about... Um, <laughs> you your... can take some of the credit, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I was there. <laughs> you were uh, around. You then spoke about the Rosa Burden Centre, so in Bristol, and how you found that. Um, and I broadly have just sort of given my experiences as as your other half in terms of how, what things went well, what things uh, I thought weren't as effective for you, um, cognizant that all things can change and things can be more beneficial for other people. Um and then sort of as we've sort of finished the very early stages of like the broad sort of NHS treatment, uh, we started to talk of then about the dissociative stuff for you separately, um, which we can either cover a bit today or uh, we've not really covered too much of what I would consider to be the most helpful things for other people, uh, which are the specific things that you have done um, to help you and then you can talk about how helpful those things are again knowing that some things are helpful for some people some things are not helpful for other people i think it all interlinks doesn't it like it does we don't so we were talking just before we started recording about what we wanted to talk about and if the dissociative came before the fnd or was caused by it or kind of that sort of links it's all interwoven in a massive way it's difficult to unweave it all but Mm. if we just will kind of expand a bit more on the dissociative stuff and then go in and across to the things that we found have been helpful and then we can go from there cool i'll if you want i'll try and give what my understanding is at the moment and then if there's anything you think is different just simply stop me so okay My, like, the way I think about the dissociative stuff now is that it's as a result of, and this is following our conversations that we've had separately, it's as a result of the FND as a coping strategy. Hmm. So I think that you've learned to dissociate when you were younger as a child for whatever reason, um, and probably in the case that maybe it's more common to dissociate as a strategy when you're younger, but quite frankly, as you grow up, you get rid of that notion. It's not particularly helpful anymore. Um, and you and you did do. 
Uh, and then there may have been almost no circumstances wherever you've dissociated uh, th throughout sort of the next 20 years until the FND. So the FND hit as a result of stress. A, yeah, a variety of stresses and impact, impact sort of factors and things like that, which which sort of come on to the things that you did then to try and manage your stress mm. better and your approach to stress. Uh, and you got the FND, and so you lost the ability. I collected it like a Pokemon. You did, yeah. You got them all. <laughs> and you, uh, yeah, so you got the FND, and like over a period of sort of two months or so, you lost increasing capabilities from walking to talking to, you know, thinking memory. a bit. To your, yeah, to your memory, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, won't, almost, I remember that. Almost forgot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been two years now. Uh, so, so you lost those, and like they were very scary, and the, the initial assistance we got wasn't particularly like specific, which is why I think the other stuff's so important, so that people can be like, hang on, here's a list of 10 things, 15 things I could try, mm. and some things will work really well for me, and other things I can dismiss. Mm. Um, several months in, you realised, this is just really bad for me, like, we're super stressful, don't understand what's going on, I need to deal with this, but because you physically don't have... The capabilities to solve a lot of your problems all you can do is sort of retreat into your mind and try and solve things like intellectually and mentally sort of thing i think it would be traumatic for anyone yes to be fit and well one minute and then lose the ability to walk and then talk and things like that so i think it was such a a traumatic thing that my brain went, you know what, you don't need to be here for this. Like, yeah. you don't need to feel this level of fear. And I, I think if you speak to anyone that was around us at that time, they would have said that I seemed quite okay with everything. Yeah. But I think that's because my brain had started to put in this safety measure um, to protect me from the trauma. Mm. And it therefore, like, I don't remember most of this journey. Like, I I don't. I remember it through... Easy Street, that's what you do. <laughs> I remember it through, Easy like, Street. the home videos we've got or um, our adventure books or our conversations and things get jogged, but I don't remember the vast majority of it because my brain was protecting itself further from more trauma. So I got the FND, and I think it then went, this is way too traumatic for you to be able to handle right now. I'm going to just move you off to the side. And it kind of just pushed me out. And it was a very gradual thing. So when did you come to think... When did you, when did your thinking align that that was what's happening? Cause I, I, Literally I, my, within the last week. Okay, because my thinking would be is at the, at the time... At the time, I was just happy. I didn't yeah, care. You were just dissociative and, and that was and But that if you think it. about when I... So I, when I lost the ability to walk, yes, that was scary. And I went to hospital and all that. And I was still responding emotionally appropriately, I would have said. Mm. And then from that point on, my emotional appropriateness kind of started to disappear like what i was just happy yeah i shouldn't have been happy but i was happy i was smiling and i was happy a lot of times though you would specifically say you were afraid mm. and, and like when you dissociate you've always been extra afraid of yeah. things and i think it's just it was my way of my brain's way of protecting me further from the fact i was losing stuff so like about two two or three weeks ago you dissociated and sometimes you know originally you were just 99% dissociated and then increasingly you've just become like the other way so like you're generally like probably on average maybe 85% good 15% dissociated something like that um and you started speaking like in third person <laughs> so 
which you'd never done before. So anytime you dissociate before, you were uh, you always describe yourself as me. Okay, so you're me. You sort of just you knew you were young, but no mm. specific sort of comprehension. You know, you've gone through months of like three, four months of being no issues at all, whilst I've not been here, and you know, fine, I ca- I came back sort of thing, and then there was a, a you know, a bit of a mixture and a settling sort of into that. But you, for the first time ever, two or three weeks ago, you were talking to me aware that you, as in proper Xena, was a separate entity. So you'd never spoken to me like that before. As far as you were concerned, you were just you. There was only ever you that existed. Yeah, because, well, like, we now refer to that dissociative state as my screensaver version. Mm. Because I can function, but I'm not necessarily doing a lot. Like, I can be safe, but I'm not about to solve a quadratic equation on you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in bare minimum mode. But this was... So we had a conversation. I, I had a conversation with Screensaver You, where it was, like, it was like something had developed in your mind where you just had this new understanding for you. Like, because it wasn't an understanding that I ever had. And you were, you would say, oh, yeah, she's just resting. And you gesture it, like, at the back of your head. Yeah, she's just resting back here. And you've never had so much self-awareness that you recognise there was, like, another part of you. And even now, every time... Anytime you dissociate now, like, you dissociate the other day for 10 minutes because you'd read something on Facebook that said, oh, people are stealing dogs. And you were just anxious that somebody might steal the dogs. And so that anxiety was so great for you that you just dissociated and you walked over and I could see you were gone because you just, you just looked different. Um, and you literally, the first thing you said to me was like, oh, don't worry. Um, she'll be back in 10 minutes. You just read something upsetting. And I was like, not creepy at all. and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> sort of like, we're so, yeah, the, the idea is that you're so in tune now with this understanding. It's not, so it works though, because you're not afraid anymore. You know, or screensaver you knows that it's like this temporary thing and it was fine and like I finished making dinner and I served it and then sort of in the course of the next few minutes whilst we're in dinner you just slip back in I didn't raise anything about it I didn't draw attention to it and then you've been completely fine since then sort of thing but it's like specific events like that where there's this threat to your like security or your stability Mm. and you think something what you feel like something out of my control has kicked me out sort of thing now she says, oh, um... It's just <laughs> the other part she, of me. Yeah, just, the other me. Just younger you just says, oh, she's just sort of... She's just thinking about it. She's just dealing it, dealing with it. And I don't know if it's a case of, you know, you've just learned as a result of the FND that um, as like a learnt behaviour, that when there's this great stress, you kick out. And maybe over time, that will just... You'll relearn, okay, actually, this isn't an effective way to deal with these problems... Because, obviously, you've had a very stressful situation. Now you're just learning to use sort of more normal, lower-level responses. And that could be the case. I've got no idea. Like, I think it's it's just weird, isn't it? The other me. The other me. It's like when I looked through my my, uh, FND Facebook page the other day. Mm. So I thought, oh, the other me made me do it. I was like... What is this? What is happening? Why is the other me making me do stuff? But, it was just to eat a cake. That was all it yeah. was. But I was like, what? 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 <laughs> but so when we first had that conversation, because I spoke to her then for like two hours, and she said, oh, so this was this where this has changed my understanding. Now, this is how you described it. But Screensaver You said to me, she said, I'm not actually in control of like what, I, what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. like I'd always thought when you dissociate, 
this is a separate thing, a separate entity, like a slither of a slither of you that controls everything. Now it's controlling it like mentally to a lesser degree, but it's still controlling the movement and everything. Screensaver was like, no, no, no. I only control the outward projection of personality. So I'm only the one, I'm the one talking to you. Now if I text you, that's regular Xena. If I the walking, the body movements, like what I what the decisions I'm making are still controlled by normal you. So she, she, for example, will ask you, she will say, can I watch some Disney? Because I like Disney. And, you know, she likes, I like Disney and I like cuddles sort of thing. Um, but she'll ask you. And if you don't want to, she will say, I'm not in control of it. You decide everything. And you have always been safe to do things. Like, I've never worried about you. Well, you might worry about a six-year-old burning things down or causing trouble. I've never worried about you because I know you will kick back in if it's important. So her interpretation is, in fact, the only part of her that actually exists is this very slim projection. Uh, that's not necessarily true, because sometimes... Her, that's how she describes so, it. Because sometimes I like to wave my hands. Yeah. I like to jump up and down. So sometimes I do get to enjoy. Okay, so... and that, Well, you've always said to me that when when you're dissociating and you're screensaver, Xena, that if you have... That's ex- me. Yeah, yeah, that's you. That's so, me. Yeah, so when you have that excess energy... Like, you feel like if Xena lets you, she lets you come out and you can talk and, and, she, and she'll let you flap your arms or something. Like, it's like a sensory yeah. thing. Well, that's the only time, then. Is there any other time that you get to? Uh, not necessary. She likes to run quite tight shit. <laughs> okay, why do you think she likes to do that? She likes the control. <laughs> why does she like the control, though? I don't know. She just does. I do as I'm told. Well, so I would think people would be interested because they can probably tell by your voice that you just dissociated fairly, fairly quickly. Like I can tell by the way you look at me, but I don't, it's obvious probably by the by your voice that they can hear that you speak differently. No, this is just my voice. Yeah, it's your voice, but you speak differently when you dissociate. So when you're screensaver Zena, you speak in a different no, way. No, I'm just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're you, who is screensaver Zena, as we describe you, so that's what Zena and I call you. You'd speak in a different voice. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so you speak in like a, as if you are like a seven or eight year old. Oh. So you don't know that, you're just speaking. Yeah. But that's just how it sounds. So I can tell when you speak and I can tell when she speaks. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> this is the first time you've ever spoken. Is there anything like, so we're talking about you dissociating how it feels. How does it feel for you? It's just like um, someone I had just gotten troll. Like I get to put on what I want outwardly. Mm but I don't have the final say. If she doesn't like it, she'll tick me out. Yeah. Or she'll cause me brain ache. That will happen. So what's brain ache for you? Brain ache is like so she's doing it right now. It's like, it feels like it's just some sharp, like, pain in my head and it moves. It doesn't stay in the same place. Mm. So it moves at different points. And it just feels like someone's just going, boop, boop, boop. Or it will be a long, hard, like, punch to the head. Yeah. And I can feel it and I can pinpoint exactly where it is that it's happening. And that's, like, my, like, warning sister that something is going on, whether it's her or where. Like, I can feel it. So you think, is that is that Xena's way of saying, I don't like what you're back saying? Off. Or she's saying... Maybe. What do you mean by back off? Like, walk away. Like, that's... Don't deal with this topic. Uh, not deal, don't deal... I think she's just making her presence known again. I think she thinks I forget that she's there. Mm. I know she's there. Cause but she's you the... only know that she's there now. You've never before no, three weeks ago. No, but she's the one that's making me do this weird thing with my hands, certainly. That's not me. Yeah. She's choosing to do that. So I know she's there. 
Like, this is not something I would be doing with my hand. How, how powerful do you feel? Like, how much in control of what you're doing? Because from the outside, it looks like you control everything. No, I don't. So you just control what? I just control what's happening with my face. Okay. And the rest That's of it... That's This is... The rest of it is just Ina... Yeah. This is not... This is not how I would choose to be, like, sat for How example. would you like to be sat there? I would like to be sat on the floor with my legs crossed. Okay. Because that's comfortable. Okay. But I don't have the authority mm. to make that choice. But she lets you have the authority to speak then? Yes. Because she is doing something else after me. Okay. So she's, like, popped off to the shot. Okay. And I'm just here to kind of fill the gap. So I'm still a, I'm still a humour. Mm. I'm still here. But I'm just filling that gap for her. While she goes and gets what she needs and then she comes back. Do you think it's that way round that she goes away to get something? Or do you think there's a part where she brings you out to give something? I think it could go either way. Do, do you ever find that she tells you something or that you're able to do something that she's not? I'm sure there are things that I can access she can't but that's because i'm different to her in what way are you different i i'm not the same age as her okay how old are you i'm like seven okay like seven yeah okay but you're obviously very tall for seven aren't you like objectively yeah that's really confusing for me so does it feel like you're in the wrong body it just doesn't match (laughs) yeah because when we first started speaking you were by first started speaking i'm talking 18 months ago you, I would show you pictures of Zena on the wall. That's not me. And that's not you, is no. it? But then when you've seen pictures of you when you were younger, when you were seven or eight, remember we showed the uh, talking man the other day and you looked at pictures yeah, of you me. and you're like, that's you. Yeah. So that's a picture of Zena when she's like seven or eight sort of thing. Yeah. And you, and as far as you, that is you. That's, yeah. So that's why it's very confusing for you, I'd imagine, that you look around it's you like, and you see um, things. with, um... She's mating me gesture. Yeah, you're gesturing at your face where perhaps a beard might be. Yeah. And then um, something that's very high. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you know what... I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Well, tell you how to do that. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about who you now call hairy man, but also tall man. Um, so yeah, but So your younger brother, because he's taller than you. Yeah, but he would... Um... Hairy as a child? No. <laughs> <laughs> but he looked different to how I... How you remember him. Yeah, well, I remembered he was small. Yeah. Smaller than you, anyway. Yeah. And now he's taller Tall than you. Tall and furry. Yeah, and furry. <laughs> Face furry, is he? But that, that's not how I were. But do you know him to be the same person, then? So no. obviously having spoken to I, him. I know before we spoke to him. Yeah. And we cleared up, because I got him up. I know that we did that. And that was me and you did that. Not her and you, but me and you did yeah. that. Um, but it, it just does a. It's like when you do like um a jigsaw puzzle, mm. and you think the two pieces go together, but actually they don't. And there's a very slight thing that makes them go skewer. Mm. It's like that. So who am I to you then? Because obviously you're seven. So who am I? No, don't do that. I'm asking just a relationship to Zena. So what's who is Zena to me? Your person. My person. Yeah. Right. So who are you then? So if you're like a younger version of her, so you're suggesting you both exist at the same time. An older version, regular Xena, who's older. It's hurting my brain. It will hurt your brain. And then you, who's younger. What about it? Well, you both exist at the same time is what you're saying to me. Okay. What is it you want me to say? But I'm her partner. Yeah. So who are we? What's our relationship? (laughs) 
And why are you laughing? I don't know. <laughs> that's not me. So you think Zena's laughing? Right, okay. <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> yeah, well, it puts me in all sorts of difficult positions. Um, but that's not what it is. That's not how I view you. What you're, do you mean? You're still my person. Yeah, okay. Even though you, know, you, even though you think I'm like 20 years older than you. Um, I don't think that you change in age. Okay. You stay, I'm just the same age. You, yeah, you're just the same. You okay. don't you don't change. So I don't become like eight or anything. No. Or like three years older than no, you. No, no. <laughs> like you don't. You because you weren't in that younger sphere. Mm. It's not weird for me. I su- I suppose yeah because you've not changed. Yeah, your brother existed in both worlds. Yes, and whereas, I only exist in one. Yeah, so where it's. But I know that you're safe. Yeah. So therefore it doesn't matter. Like, I know that you're safe and therefore it's okay. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Anything else you want to add? Because at the moment we're covering just the dissociative stuff. So we can speak about... Well, that was what we spoke about sort of two weeks ago. That's what we uncovered. Um, so uncovered. Uncovered. Yeah, so the idea is that obviously... Having had the FND for the first couple of months, maybe your brain sought out some coping strategy. Mm. Physically, it can do anything. You can, like, go for walks or anything. So it found a mental solution to yeah. reduce the stress. And the only way was to basically compartmentalise yeah. yourself and then, and duck out. Obviously, through that process, we then did all these other things that would help. Yeah. And we tried lots of things. We did try a lot of things. And it's kind of gone... Some of them have worked, and then they've stopped, and then we've gone back to them, and they work again. And we kind of flip between... Lots of different things. So it's things like going outside. Yep. Like just being outside, whether it's in the garden or going out on a walk or being with animals. Like just the space of being outside was quite useful. Is there anywhere particular outside that works better for you? Just open spaces. Because it just... There's there's not so much sensory. So like a Tesco's car park. No, no, (laughs) like somewhere just green and open. Yeah. Just so there's less sensory feedback going on. Like you can just it's just green. Mm. Just take a few deep breaths and you're just in the green. So we're fortunate because we're right by a large amount of fields and um, woodland, really. But you've always been sort of like a seaside baby, Mm. haven't you? That's always helped you. So. You have asked, actually, when for specifically when you first got ill, you asked a lot, like, if we could go to the sea. And we did try, but it's like, you know, it's an hour and a half, two hours away sort of thing. So yeah. it's not as readily available. Um, but so, that's because I think I was just craving being somewhere familiar. The yes. sea was familiar for me, but now are the spaces we have here are now the familiar. Yeah, so I didn't know if that was, like, dissociated you's preferred place to be. I've got no idea. So I was, I was preferred woodland and things like that, and that that works for me and is also close to hand. Mm. Um, so we specifically tried to do, I mean, we tried to go every day, really, just to go for 20 minutes, half an hour, go but for even, a walk. But I think, like, when I was really bad, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So I would, we'd go for drives. Yes. That oh, was that's the equivalent. True, yeah. I'd go, we'd go for a drive in the evening. And even now, like, if I'm particularly bad and I've not been out of the house, yeah. I have a need to go for a drive because I'm like, I just need to be outside of the four walls of this house i need to feel something different to what this house can provide me and we would often actually i think you're quite right the 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 walk the um drives were definitely the first thing we did Mm. and we would normally drive for 
20 to 40 minutes, something mm. like that. We just sort of pick a random direction. You know, we might explore, like, random estates or new build estates and just... It didn't really matter as long as... For me, it was just the fact we were outside. Yeah. And I'd have the window down. And that was... Head out, tongue out. <laughs> but that was, like, enough for me to get... my feel when I couldn't manage a walk. And then we've gradually built it up. And we always had good conversations when we were driving. Mm. There's something about, especially nighttime driving, where, you like, as a, as a driver, it's, it's perhaps even more so, but I probably weren't, you weren't in a position to drive at that point. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> probably not wise. <laughs> yeah, physically you're engaged. Like, your mind is, especially once you're good at driving, your mind is occupied enough with it, but mm. you don't actually pay attention. Like, we've all had the experience of driving and suddenly paying attention. You're like, oh, like, I'm, How'd I get here? I'm 15 miles down the road or yeah. whatever. Um, so like it, it weird, it's weird. It occupies a part of your brain and then you can just sort of, there's a, a weird self-consciousness bit that sort of fades away for it and you can just talk about things. Yeah. Like you can't be distracted by things. And like, it's dark and it, you can't see people's facial expressions. If it's embarrassing. Mm. And like, we specifically don't bring phones as well so yeah. that it's not, I'm not going to get distracted by yeah. text or something like and, that. But we use that same theory with the walks as well. Yes. Like the phones don't come on the, or if they do... There's no, like, mobile data turned on. It's less so that if we need it in case of emergency, we've got it, but it's not our main focus. Mm. And when you were in a wheelchair, we were still going out, granted, not as easily and not as far. but no, we were the still... pavements are shocking for wheelchairs. <laughs> yeah, but we were still going to, like, National Trust places, yes. which were fantastic, actually. They were really good with your wheelchair. Like, mm. I-, I carried you up the stairs <laughs> on my back on several, like... National Trust houses and things like that. Um, kid literally just ran across our front lawn. Um, they ran across... Sorry, I'm distracted. He's disappearing. So he carried me up a flight of stairs. And the people at the National Trust found it very entertaining that he'd carried me up the stairs on his back. Because that's, they, there was no lift, so I wanted to see the next floor. So he had to carry me. And I believe he carried me back down the stairs as well. Much to everyone's amusement. Yeah, but I mean, the, the key point is actually the National Trust places were really good. So, like, in terms of trying to provide you as much access as well, where did we go? We went to, like, Blenheim Palace. I don't know, we went to a couple of places. Yeah, well, I mean, we went to, like, everywhere in the south, really. Um, and they were really good because they sort of just facilitate. I suppose they're used to having people who were perhaps older. But, uh yeah, so that was really good, actually. Um, so, th- although very difficult, and, you know, I think we probably did spend the first six months, really, were you in the wheelchair. So, I mean, that includes, like, going to zoos and things like that. That all mm. that all helped, but it was difficult because it's you're thinking, like, like you can... T- it's really obvious this would be better if you could walk, like, because you could do more. But, but equally, I, had I still to... got a lot from. You did, yeah, and and it was just it's just difficult from it was difficult from a carer's perspective because I was thinking like, how do you how do you build up to it? And I never knew if what we would do. You would have a great time and you enjoyed it, and I knew that. But it's hard to know how much, like, if I had left it six months and you'd been put in a home, would you still have recovered? to the ability to walk I don't know it's so difficult there's no study on like no there's not but I think like we we didn't let it stop us doing things Mm. like we went to like Harry Potter studios and they were fab there like they were really good 
with the wheelchair and yeah. looking after us. Like they were very, very good. Um, the National Trust spaces, like local farms and zoos, like everyone has been very good when it comes to the wheelchair. Some places are better than others, but it didn't stop me from still taking the things I needed at the time from it. And like, I, I put that a lot of that down to you actually, because you you were like, I'm not gonna let this even when you were dissociated, you were still like, I could still see there was a part of you that was like, I'm not going to let this ruin my ability to experience something I want to mm. enjoy. Um, and I think other people could, I can certainly see how other people could be like, well, this is it now. Like, it, there's this extra challenge uh, amongst all the other challenges sort of mm. thing. Um, that it can absolutely shut your world right down. And, and if you didn't have someone to help you... It's really that'd tough. That would be really hard. Like, it would have been very easy. It would have been the easier path to have just given up. Hmm. But I'm way too stubborn to do that, as we all know. What was your motivation? Do you, do you I've think got about literally it? literally no idea. Okay. I mean, I'd like it to be like, oh, wow, like, I really care about you. <laughs> That would obviously be it, but I don't remember. All I know is is that I just kept going. And actually, you know what? It's hard being in a wheelchair. Like you're either You've got to watch me pushing you up hills. I I know. I could like we took a photo, you were exhausted. Mentally. It was the it was the emotional exhaustion. It was tiring (laughs) that hill. But I think it's hard being in a wheelchair. Mm. People look at you differently or they don't look at you at all. Or they give you a really wide berth because they think that you're going to give them something. Like, it's a tough... Especially when you've been able-bodied before, it's really tough to then not have that same level of capability and to adjust to how it is. And I know the first couple of times I then went out when I was back out of the wheelchair, I found that adjustment really hard as well because actually I got used to people seeing there was something wrong because I had the chair that was my symbol that something Mm. was wrong and I needed a bit more time or a bit more space and then as soon as I came out of it because I didn't use a walking stick or a walking frame or anything like that I just lent on people that was due to your stubbornness though (laughs) which is fine like I understand that like it's um it's difficult because even if I think of myself imagine if I was like trying to go out in a wheelchair now You'd be really self-conscious, but it's very obvious. People see you in a wheelchair. Mm. And quite frankly, this is the 21st century. People see you in a wheelchair, they're not being not being difficult about it. They're no. just like, clearly something's wrong. Mm. Because it's it's difficult to move around. If, maybe if you're in an electric one or something like that. But I'm cheap, I don't want to spend that money. So I'm just like, I'm going to push you around however. And then you get out and suddenly, and if I you're slow felt... to move and stuff like that, people would glare at you. Because yeah, I... I'd be like... Like, it will get my back up because, fine, like, I recognise that all disabilities are visible sort of thing. But that's, and that's I still always, quite modern. And I always felt really judged as well, which is why I'd fight you on it. Which is why when we go on out... which part? I'd want to... If I was going in the chair, I was staying in the chair. Mm. Unless I was standing up to look over something and then I'd sit back down. I did not want to get out of that chair because I felt judged the fact that I would be able to get out of the chair. Mm. And, and I, the chair and, in your mind symbolizes someone can't can't do that. Yeah. And then to see someone get out of that chair and yeah, they walk a little bit funny, but they're still functioning, you're like, well, why are they in a wheelchair? Yeah. And I was always like I didn't appreciate that at the time, but I was always like, look, let's 
let's try and do five minutes of walking sort of thing so like we can we can push ourselves and, and I was I, like no yeah but, but I, I just simply didn't recognize that like because I'm not as socially aware as you are. <laughs> That's say. very polite. Social, dysfunctional individual. Um, and I was just like, quite frankly, the important thing is you walk in. Like, it didn't cross my mind, but now I can completely understand. Yeah, that, like, that's exactly why you would not want to. And that same fear where actually you're enjoying yourself and now's a good time to get out and about because of your anxiety about what other people are going to say or how they're going to interpret it. You're like, I don't really want to. Like, it's just the fear. Hmm. The fear of the unknown. Being in a wheelchair is really quite scary. Like, and then you've got everyone's ideas of what a person in a wheelchair should or might be like. And I didn't look like I had anything And you're young. So particular. It's, it's difficult as well. Yeah. So it's, it's just a really tough... So I remember just being really frustrated with you. Being like, stop trying to make me get out. And, and you do it... At a point where I was clearly enjoying myself the most, but also when the most amount of people were around, I'd be more likely to do it if you'd like when it was quieter. Mm. Because I'm like, actually, I don't feel as judged because we know that when I feel stressed or judged or whatever, things start to go wrong. Mm. So I was like, well, you're setting me up to fail by making well, I didn't me do know th- that. No, and I time. didn't know that until now. And now it's only eighteen months later. So yeah. this would have been really useful. For it would have been yes. So I'm saying to those carers that are out there looking after someone in a wheelchair. Well done for looking after them. That's that's ace. Person in the wheelchair, you will, you are amazing. But if you're going to try and get them to come out of the wheelchair, maybe do it in a quieter space. I remember pushing you around the National Trust place, and at the end of it, there's this big hill. <laughs> I and knew we you were get to the, that. We get to the top of the hill, and you look at me, and you're like, "Can we go around again?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like I know, especially from this point it's all uphill to the other side and then it's like it's even hard work stopping you going downhill because it's do you remember still we like went down that really weight. steep hill and someone came down to check on us to make sure we yeah, had rolled they were off like, the other oh, side oh it's quite steep you wanna, and I'm like that's irrelevant we're going to go down like, <laughs> because for me I wasn't going to let it stop you enjoying yourself I wasn't it wasn't just going to be yeah. like we're just going to stay in the car and look from here I'm like we're going to go and yeah it was hard and you're pushing people around and and people do even stare at you because you're like oh, you know, you're in a wheelchair, you shouldn't be attempting this sort of thing. But I was like, no, you had a great time. And we've got pages and pages of great photos in your adventure mm, And book. it was, it had a great time. Mm. I think it's just hard. Like, so, walk, going outside was definitely very useful, whether that was in the chair, in the car, or gradually building up to walking. And I still find it very useful. Like, I find it very relaxing to be outside. Which is completely new for me because I used to hate being outside before I got sick. So it's a new one on me. But I think it's that realisation that now I can. I've got the ability to just go for a walk if I want to. Even if it's just five minutes, I've got that capability now Mm. to enjoy going out for a walk for five minutes. And then I can come back and be tired. But at least I've got to get out the house. Yeah. So you say that. Where did your... Because you used to be very hesitant to go outside if I, given the choice when you first got in as well you would want to just sit in the corner of the sofa yeah. where you can see the front door and things like that and that's that was like a safer space group mm. and you were anxious to go out like you always went out with me and like we specifically built up to you going out even by yourself like it wasn't for months that we were like let's go out 
to the end of the road, which is like 30 metres. Mm. And you're like, I just want to walk there, like, just by myself. And then we'll turn around and come back again sort of thing. And, mm. like, I'll just stand, like, in the house or something like that. Where did that anxiety, where did that fear come from that stopped you doing that activity, which you felt was so beneficial? Um, I think it was just, I knew the house was a constant for me. The house was a safe and it was a constant I knew that I had things around me that were mine, that I recognised even when I wasn't with it. And I had, there was a, just that sense of comfort here. And I think as soon as I stepped out that door, I just felt judged. I was the girl who got sick. I was the girl who has lost her marbles. I was the girl who now can't walk properly. I'd lost any other identity other than she's the sick one. Mm. And I think that fear of being judged was just there and I was just worried well if something happened to me people were just gonna leave me there I mean that didn't happen and that was proven a couple of times where I did end up on the floor and people loads of people came to my aid Mm. but it was that fear of well no I don't know who I am I don't know my name if I get stuck somewhere I can't necessarily communicate to anyone what needs to happen Mm. which is why I got that like medical bracelet with my name on it and what my condition so that people know so I even now I will wear it so I've currently taken it off but I will put it back on when I feel a little bit wobbly and I know I'm going out by myself just Mm. as a safety measure so that if something does happen people know how to kind of manage me in that state Mm. Um, my impression was though is it's always been hard like no matter what we do no matter what stage of like recovery on how much you feel like you can do, it's always a challenge for you. And I mean it in the sense that like not to be disheartened by like being honest and having and being humble and having like it's okay to practice me going ten meters outside the mm. front door and turning around and coming back because that was hard for you. Yeah, it and, was. And now there's a different hard for you. Like there's always a hard for you bit. Yeah. So not to be like so even now like a couple of weeks ago when shops were you know before this lockdown mm. like you would drive us into town and I'd be like, right, I'm going into this shop because I want to know that I can. Or yeah. we'd go in together and I'd be like, right, I'm coming in with you because I want to know that I can come into this shop when I'm by myself. Yeah. So I was we built it up in a way where you'd do it with me first and then I'd maybe do it by myself or we'd do it a couple of times together and then I'd eventually try and do it by myself. But it was never throw you in at the deep end and hope you swim. Mm. It was, well, let's kind of get a sense of how to cope with this and then we'll try it again on your own or we'll do an element of it on your own or you can walk just five metres in front of me and I'll be back here or whatever. Mm. Or We won't take the wheelchair this time, but it was all we always knew it was back at the house so that we could come and get it if it was needed. Yeah. So I think it's having those... There's always a challenge. There's never not going to be a challenge. Mm. But I like, so I think this is more, this is also part of like the broader picture that that it feels to me that the thing that's overarched it all has been this lack of control. And I think that ties in with confidence, anxiety, like fears, securities, the worries. I think it all links together. And that if you can develop confidence, because I was still thinking like, what are the activities we can do that are going to build confidence? Where do you feel in control? Mm. And that doesn't mean like perpetual confidence, this sort of state of just like, oh, I'm comfortable with absolutely everything I do. But finding those circumstances where you are in control and just introducing those little things. So like you feel comfortable at home, 
because you feel confident at home. You're mm. confident that you understand what the situation is. And how what, it works. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't answer the door either. No, because you were like, that's an unknown quantity. That's yeah. something, some, something I don't, I'm not aware of. And I wouldn't answer in. my phone. No, you wouldn't, and that was funny too. Um, but that's because I didn't, it was so out of my comfort zone, it was too much. Mm. Like, we talked, I think we talked last time about, like, the zones of proximal development, like, if you're in that far zone, if you're in that red zone, where you are completely out of your depth in every way, you can't make any progress. You need to be in that kind of middle zone, that amber zone, where actually it's difficult, but you can still just about cope. You're still kind of able to take the next step forward. If you're in that green zone where it's all just too easy and you're absolutely fine, you're not learning anything from it. So I think the being in the house was kind of my green zone, and then the further you got away from the house was the further into, like, the other zones I got. But even the front door was straight into, like, red for me for a while because it was just too much. And it's such a it's such a minefield in the sense that... So when you went to the Rose Burden Centre, obviously that was, like, straight into the black where you just... You, like, you can't see anything because no. you're it's so new. And, you like, you have to, like, creep out of your little cave after time mm. and slow... And, like... Quite frankly, you have to be forced into difficult circumstances. Like, we do it with children and we don't think twice about it because they're not us, they're not feeling what we mm. feel and we just force kids, right, go talk to the lady and buy the toy you want. And you know, it's, you know for them, they're in, the, they're in the red or whatever, but you just like, as an adult, you don't feel it. So you just like get them in, into it because mm. you know it's so important. It's a really hard line to walk. Yeah. Because you did at points try and push me too far, too yeah. quickly. In your opinion. Yes, in my opinion, as the person feeling it. Mm. But we don't know if that actually had quite a beneficial... You've got no idea. No. And that's the problem, so... A good mixture is to simply try everything, yeah. isn't it? And that's what we ended up doing. So we did things like walks. We I started doing crafts after I went to the unit. Um, having fires. That was quite a good one we liked so to do. That was a, there was a reason for that, actually. And that's actually... So there's a few things on like the list of things we tried... The reason I thought of, like, fire is because I, like, think there's a reason that stereotypically men like fire, because it's a powerful thing. Like, it's exactly the reason why, like, I wanted you to chop wood and to get an axe and to have something sharp, because there is a feeling of control that comes, but it's also a feeling of responsibility that comes with having something that is dangerous that you're in charge of. See, that wasn't the first thing that came into my head when I said fire. What did you think of fire? Cleansing. Cleansing. Mm. Oh, of course. Well, it depends. Have you ever used fire before? Yeah. When have you used fire? When I was younger. I'd burn stuff that I didn't want to keep anymore. And I found that cleansing. And so once, my and nan once you and put I out. <laughs> what my nan and I used to burn things in the wheelbarrow at the bottom of a garden. That was my way of cleansing that out of my life. It mm. was gone then. I didn't have to look at it. It wasn't in a bin, it wasn't buried anywhere, it was completely gone in every sense so i didn't have to think about it um, and yet there were things from your past that you chose to keep as well hmm, so it's an odd mix but i do remember choosing to burn stuff looking back on it i wish i hadn't burnt that stuff but at the time it felt like the right thing to do and i got a lot from it mm. just by seeing it go away do you think it's a case of like I like I understand the first thing people want to do when they're something bad like how many times have people broke up with people when they've made a drastic change like they've just burnt loads of stuff they've got rid of loads of stuff it's like an exorcism isn't it mm. you're just 
cleansing this part of you. Mm. But sometimes, like, you need to do the exact opposite. You need to fully engage with why there was this problem in the first place. And, like, as a fine, as a child, you simply don't have the mental capacity no. really to do that. And it's very hard to know what things you need to... To what extent do you need to engage in a problem and, like, before you make the decision to... It was always just... I don't know how it came about. I don't know who suggested it, but it just became my method of cleansing some of that stuff out of my life. So, you know. And I actually thought, I was like... I would really want to take you to a gun range. <laughs> like I would think that would be just really good. There's a reason people feel powerful. Now, granted, that's the same reason it feels it's dangerous, but there's a reason with responsible handling that it's a a powerful item that if you're responsible can put you in the right frame of mind because basically it's a shortcut to confidence. But then that's why like on a very lesser dramatic scale, I liked throwing. So we'd you play catch. throwing. Because I loved throwing because it was that force I could put behind. Granted, I had no control over the force I was using. But yeah, so I wonder that. Do you, did you have... So we would play... Thro- long story short, we would play catch and things like that. But it wasn't catch. It was... Launch the ball You would you. throw it as hard as you could, like, in my direction. <laughs> or even against a wall or anything. Like, you couldn't control the no. force you used. Now, was that you being dissociated... Because if you were dissociated and dissociated you was correct, in fact, you were in control of that throw. And so you were throwing hard because you were getting a sense of enjoyment out of it. I don't know. Maybe. But you did or, enjoy throwing. Yeah, it was just I knew that it was something I found quite helpful. Mm. Throwing and catching and just generally moving stuff with maybe more force than was required. <laughs> but, like, it was just useful like, Do you remember oh we were once goodness. talking uh, with uh, Talking Man and you were holding a pencil and you were told just simply drop the pencil and you held it between two, a finger and your forefinger and your thumb and you couldn't drop it. All you could do was put one end down and then drop it. So it had to be already on the floor. You couldn't just open your thumb and forefinger and drop it. I don't remember like that. that. No. It was hilarious. I'm so glad you found it funny. You couldn't, like... You like you couldn't, you could like put it here and open your hand, uh, but you, but the idea of putting it like allowing it to fall, and we couldn't work out what that was. And I'm wondering if that's some sort of like application of force. It's like a form of destruction, like you know, dropping something. Um, so that was really funny, but really odd at the same time because you had no issue, like no issue with like holding a pen or moving things around. But in this specific instance, because what we were trying to do was. You would throw things as hard as you could. So what we were trying to do is do the exact, the least amount of force from a throw, yeah, which I is sim- simply to drop it the lightest sense. But there was like this, it was an, it was an impossibility for you. Though you couldn't do it. Um, and just, I know this was probably thirty minutes ago, but yeah, you see, it's really interesting that Zena comes out of her dissociation really smoothly, and like you can just hear it in the voice. She would have sounded different, and she just cut back in. I didn't want to draw attention to it at the time, but it's been half an hour, so I think, ah, it's been long enough for her. I don't even realise I've gone. No, exactly. So you dissociated, you spoke for a little bit, sort of the early for 10, 15 minutes. Clearly she had something to say. Well, that's the point. She said you wanted to go back for a few minutes and, like, <laughs> deal with something. Um, but uh, she, she said it. Her fault, not mine. Well, then, so then, but then she described, like, <laughs> using your hands. Like, she was gesturing. You were referring to tall man, and you were going, like, he's this one or this one. And she and she was saying, but it's not me controlling the hands. This is you controlling the hands, like because she insists that she doesn't have Sounds control. Sounds mental, doesn't it? 
I mean, I think it's it's a case of trying to understand the circumstance. But she's really aware of you, which she never was before. This is in the last three weeks, she's become really aware of this, like, divide. Well, divide or not. Where you are not, interestingly. <laughs> no. Um, I don't want to engage with her either. Do you think that could be a problem? Do you but think... I don't want to engage with her. Yes. Do you think your, will, your lack of willing to engage with her, that she will ramp up? I know she's there, but I don't want to engage with her. Okay. Do you think that's a problem? It's like a naughty child. Like, I don't want to engage with that naughty child at the minute. But she's you. In my head, they're not, though. Okay. So you're it's aware... completely separate. You're is it, aware it's, she's as, there. it's as if she was sat next to me. And you're choosing to ignore her. But she's just out of my peripheral vision. Yeah, you know she's there. I know she's there. In the background. But I'm choosing not to look at her. Have you... Do have you when have you chosen to look at her last? I haven't. Right. Do you think then that at some point your brain has gone, here's something really important. Let's put this... Let's save like a whole, a whole section of you because there's something here we need to address. It's come up and there's a section of you now where you're both aware of each other. Do you not think it would be important to engage with that side and see what they have to say? I don't know if I have any say over it. Yeah, but you know it's there. I, I, do you not suspect more likely is that you have a hesitancy to do so? You don't like the I idea. I don't think so. So if you could talk to her, you feel quite, quite comfortable to do so. Just you sit here worried. like they do in the movies and just turn my head and just talk to different people. Yeah, but it's actually that, just um, me the entire what time. What was it called? What was it, was there it, was that film, wasn't there? The creepy one. It was it, and they just spoke to each other. Oh, well, I mean, there was... Um, there's, I mean, you're, t- when, you're like, talking about Gollum, really, aren't they? you, where he turns back and forth. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I meant, I meant that horror movie you where... You heard it here first, I've just been compared to Gollum. I think it's called Fractured, is it? If anyone knows, please tell us, it's going to bug us. Yeah, I think it's that. It's got, but it's... The, I don't I know. Just... The actor. But young guy, really good film, actually. Okay. But, okay, I would say that your ability to communicate with that side to work out why they, exi- why they exist would be really important. And I think we will end it there. Okay, uh, so next time, so we covered mostly a bit more dissociation, and actually that's probably the first time you dissociated so shortly and so clearly. It's like a really good example. Um, You're welcome, guys. I obviously practiced that for you. She didn't. It's funny. <laughs> so, okay, interesting, quick finisher then. So when you're dissociating, we were talking about the ages. Mm. So we are talking about her age and your age. Mm. So obviously you know, sort of 20 or so years between you. Mm. I said, what is my relationship to her? And she got confused. The look of which, like, you're pushing on something you shouldn't in a way that this upsets me. And then she, like, I knew to back off. Before, that would be the thing where you'd slip. So normally I would cover... If I covered an issue like that where I knew it was going to be difficult for screensaver her, she would... You'd see the dis- you'd see like this stress, this like oh, and then you disappear. So normally that would happen when you were well. Now it's happening to her. If I ask her something difficult, I wonder if the reason is because the relationship between them um, is confusing, or if it like is it simply a case of the maths? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, is it the fact that she's trying to understand? She just knows like I'm safe to you. Yeah. But she does. She can't really. And she specify. trusts me, so therefore, if I trust you, then she. Yeah, that's because she sees you as the authority. That's why. Yeah, well, that's kind of her. Yeah, well, she's always, she says you make all the decisions anyway. She doesn't get to control anything. You're in control oh, of the hands well, and stuff. That's good to know. That yeah. wouldn't be how I describe it, but sure. Well, maybe if you spoke to her a bit more. Often. And look at that! We're out of time. Oh, we're gonna run out of time. <laughs> we're out right now. What a, what a coincidence. <laughs> what was supposed to be a 20 minute episode? What a coinkydink. Okay, on that note, we'll leave him. So, mm. 
next time we'll go over a couple more things that we found useful. Um, I think we should cover a lot more of the like confidence stuff, like uh, mm-hmm. mindfulness. Yeah, so if you guys... But less hippie. This, okay. If you guys have got anything you want to contribute to the things that you found that have helped you, then reach out. We're on Facebook of Life with FND and Twitter at Life with FND or email us livingwithfnd at hotmail.com. Let us know what's worked for you or what hasn't worked for you and we'll hopefully compile a list of stuff that people might find useful. Mm. Until next time. Bye.